The Equilibrium Podcast with your host, Ryan Young. I am the host and producer of Equilibrium, a radio show on CKUT 90.3 FM in Montreal, and I am fascinated by ecology and the human-animal relationship, and I want to inform you. If you're an environmental activist, scientist, or just somebody that is concerned about the future health of the planet's ecology, this is a podcast for you. And today we have a very special guest in the studio with us, and that is Stephen McComber, who is from Ganawage, and he is a faith keeper in the uh, one of the traditional longhouses in Ganawage, and he is also uh, a very um, well-known seed saver of traditional seeds, uh, all kinds of seeds, but especially indigenous seeds uh, to North America. And uh, he is a master gardener. And uh, it's a great uh, pleasure to have you on the show today. How are you doing, Stephen? Uh, well, welcome there, Ryan. I'm doing pretty good. Really out of sight here. You know, Jimi Hendrix said at Monterey, it didn't even rain. <laughs> no buttons to push. But that's what's happening. <laughs> we had to pay the parking meter, though. Um, so uh, you are a very big fan of Jimi Hendrix. Oh, uh, yeah. That's one of my main influences, Jimi Hendrix. I even put his name in my CV. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> Um, but um, we're, we're right in the middle of uh, the growing season, and uh, I know you've got all kinds of things growing in your garden. Um, I, I have all kinds of things growing in my garden. Um, so, so let's talk about gardening and, and uh, see where that, that takes us. And uh, I, I guess maybe we, you could just um, start with explaining like where all your gardening knowledge comes from. Well, uh well, my gardening knowledge comes from my grandparents, mostly. Uh, when I was a little boy, I, I worked in the garden. I watched them. I watched the way my grandfather planted and things my grandmother did. And um, so uh, when I was uh, a teenager, around 17 uh, or so, I, I traveled with a group in Agosasani called the White Roots of Peace. And we traveled through the Midwest of the United States at that time. And they were a communication group. And they also promoted a, a magazine called Agosasi Notes at that time. And they used to go to uh, Native communities. They went to a lot of colleges. Even at that time, I, I, we, I believe we visit uh, two federal uh, institutions with Native inmates and uh, did, uh, did programs. And at that time, I was the singer uh, on this tour. So I was doing the, the dances while other people did the speaking and so on. But at that time, uh, there was a gentleman from Oklahoma. His name was uh, Philip Deere. He was a Muskogee Indian. And we had time to speak uh, together. And a lot of things that he talked about were very similar to the Haudenosaunee people. Uh, as you know, we call ourselves the Haudenosaunee, which means the people of a great longhouse. And when the Europeans first came here, that's the way our people lived. They lived in villages of longhouses. And the villages were primarily those of, uh, of, of a, cl- a certain clan. Uh, as an example, a bear clan, which meant that the village was primarily a bear clan, but the villages belonged to the women. Okay, And since we uh, marry opposite clans, so basically all the women in that village would be from a bear clan, but the husbands have to be from another clan, so they were 
either turtle or wolf or from other nations and uh, this is how and so later the longhouse became the symbol of of our confederacy it became the symbol of, of, of our culture and and somewhat uh, not really a great way to say it but just to say it this way quickly as a symbol of our religion or our religious uh, and spiritual practices that's a good way to explain it uh, the longhouse so today we call ourselves people of the longhouse and we are people of uh, six nations we are mohawks Onada uh, onadagas Oneidas, Cayuga, Seneca, and Tuscarora. And our traditional homelands are southwestern Quebec, where we are in Quebec, uh, near uh, near Montreal, all central New York State, all the way to western New York State, right to the Ohio Valley, and southwestern Ontario are the traditional homelands of our, our people. And uh, there are 16 communities, including one out in Wisconsin, uh that are six nations so all our languages are very similar our cultures and customs are very similar our legends are very similar um uh, and all our songs and dances primarily you know there's there are some because of regions uh, there are things that are different but we all basically follow the same patterns uh, of, of ceremonies and rituals which begins with our creation story when the woman fell from the sky world and so um you hear this often the sky world but i know in the the late 1700s i believe it was 1778 the six nation chiefs met with george washington uh, and uh, Benjamin Franklin in Philadelphia and they asked uh, Washington said well where did your people come from so they said we came from the sky world but they said the sky world was a star system called in our language you call it Onaguadara and so uh, in English they call they refer to it as Pleiades so our people ascended from Pleiades and so today we still follow that same um, you know uh, patterns so uh, the Pleiades rises in the east in the fall, okay? So at that time, it becomes a part, uh, the harvest time. Then it ascends across the sky. So like somewhere in mid-January or so, uh, it's directly north. And at this time, uh, we celebrate the, the midwinter ceremonies. And it commemorates all the things that we've done throughout the year in a ceremonial cycle and then it then it sets in the in the west in the spring and at that time is the time we begin to work our gardens and plant and so as part of all the ceremony and so we still follow that pattern for, of Pleiades so that's our relationship going to that and I believe uh, the Iroquois people and the Mayan people follow that same pattern uh, following the Pleiades you see and uh, since then, uh, thanks to ancient aliens, which I like to watch now and then, is uh, there was a whole thing about our people on there. And so uh, our people ascended from Pleiades, where the Egyptians came from the Orion uh, star system. So uh, we, are, we are ancient cultures, and we have ancient knowledge and things that, that we do. We follow ceremonial patterns. So we follow traditional um, uh I, uh, lunar calendar uh, made up of 13 moons I didn't bring my turtle but you look on the back of a turtle there are 13 plates representing the 13 moons and on the side of the turtle shell is 28 uh, little plates and so you divide a month so lunar month is made up of 28 days 
made up of four parts of seven days. So it commences with um, a new moon. So the, the phase of the new moon lasts seven days. So the next part, which I learned later, is called Wax On. Thanks to Mr. Miyagi. From the Karate Kid. The Karate Kid. <laughs> you know? And wax on and wax off. But you never sand the floor, I tell you. Okay? <laughs> so uh, I really like that. And, 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 and I talk that way a lot because... People remember that. I remember I spoke in one conference and I talked about wax on and wax off. And this guy really liked it. He said, I remember now things because you, you said it that way. So as I begin to do a lot of uh, speaking and lectures, I find different ways. Uh, and then you got to make it a little bit lively. So I don't think I'm uh, like a, a boring person. <laughs> so Definitely you got to make it lively and, and people's attention. Uh, I know you probably attended countless lectures where people were sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> or even snoring in the corner. But, you know, we got to make it lively. You got to bring a little bit of Elvis and get everybody all shook up now and then. Oh. So that's a really, that's really part of it. So then, uh, then there's a full moon, which is seven days. And then it's called the dark side of the moon. You know, just got to remember Pink Floyd and dark side of the moon. And that's when the moon's going down or wax off. So those are the four phases made up of 28 days times 13 will give you a perfect year of 364 days. And just like the Julian calendar, which is, by the way, named after Julius Caesar. Okay. But I've seen some stuff about that really interesting. I, I really like those things. Uh, I like a lot of historical things. So it, it, it uh, shines a light on things that go to, on today. And then we enlighten ourselves. And uh, I think as part of that wave of, of that, I, I, I always collected um, old seed catalogs. It's been one of my hobbies. So I have the oldest seed catalog I have is a catalog going back to 1887. Uh, and it's by a company called J.H. Gregory. Gregory is a famous um, gardener or seed uh, uh, personnel. In, um, he lives in a town called Marblehead, Massachusetts. And actually, he's the one who introduced the Hubbard squash to the world. Hmm. Okay, so the Hubbard squash is, is still around and still was one of the most famous. Uh, kind of today, it's kind of replaced in people's mind with spaghetti squash. But, uh, you know, that's a different uh, thing. But going back to all that, and I use a lot of this as references and to see what people did back then, what still survives today. And today, as uh, I, I don't know, it's something that I always did, but now I'm referred to as a seed saver, which is fine. There's labels to everything. But at the time, it's something that I did, something that I live, and I continue to do. And because it's been part of me, and since I was a teenager traveling with the White Roots of Peace, uh, you know, one of the grandmothers uh, on, in, the, in, the, in the group would always talk about a story, and they would say that, you know, she would talk to say if she had to address the world leaders and she would say, OK, Mr. World Leaders, now after uh, you cut down the last tree and you caught the last fish in the water, will only then will you realize you cannot eat all the money you have in the bank. And look at what's going on in the world today. Uh, you know, I listen to the radio quite often and uh, the, the prediction is there's going to be, you know, high, high costs of food. But that's going to be a tribute to it because there will be shortages. And, uh, uh, you know, this COVID, uh, no matter what you say or whatever, uh, you know, uh, if you believe in conspiracy theories or not. But a gentleman told me about this over 40 years ago. 
and right down to the wire many things are happening and and it comes down in the end uh, about I guess maybe controlling the masses of people and how would you do that you know you have to have a virus so it in in this theory that I heard 40 years ago it said they would create a virus and we and all they talk about is this thing was uh, made in a lab in Wanghu, China or something like that maybe I'm not saying it right but you understand what I'm getting at and then now the food and then there was a time uh, that if you didn't get their vaccines you weren't allowed to go to work like myself I wasn't allowed to go to my work unless I had a vaccine so uh, is it true is it not true it, it seem, seems to be but it makes us aware of uh, what's going on in the world but you know uh, I'm happy the other day I saw a monarch butterfly I only saw one when before there was countless you know so there's only a few handful of bees there's no birds and so when all the rain that we had and humidity we get all kind of strange bugs at one time there would be thousands literally thousands of purple martins who could eat their weight in bugs now there's I see one or two purple martins the lines you know the telephone lines used to be full of sparrows swallows there's nobody so what is the solution roundup and and if it's not true it's part of conspiracy theory my friend every little store you go in right in the doorway there's roundup little hardware store in the middle of no place there's roundup you so i don't know and they it use makes it you extensively. Think, it makes you think. It yeah. just makes you think. And but the thing is, and uh, ev everywhere you look, it's always corn and soy growing everywhere. Mm -hmm. And Roundup is used for all of that. It's used up all for that, and it's sprayed for uh, geophosphate. And uh, this has been linked to a lot of uh, environmental changes. And I did an opening ceremony here in Montreal in 2017, I believe it was, uh, right over here, uh, as part of. Um, um, regeneration something uh land or soil uh, and the agriculture uh agriculture minister of france who signed that world accord that uh conveniently donald trump chopped in half uh was there and after there were six speakers in the opening evening and so as uh first nations i was invited to speak first and the minister was the last one to speak and when he spoke he was the only one of all the speakers who acknowledged what i had to say and the connection that our people a place on the land and the value of our mother the earth and to uh, to live in continuum and so that's been part of our culture part of our tradition part of our ways part of our teaching our knowledge more than that it's a thing that we live and that's what's very very important so just not only growing seed and maintaining it is the keeping the knowledge and that and learning to adapt because we have to adapt to what's going on so uh there's so much things going on around us and the weather look at the weather from one extreme to another and uh whatever we grow from year to year this what adapts yeah uh, this is what acquires what they call genetic memory so the springs have been starting later and the fall has been going right into almost december uh even though we have an extended fall time it doesn't mean we still can keep on growing naturally artificially yes in a greenhouse 
but we're talking naturally in the field, the plants will grow within a certain time, then they stop. Okay? And that's what they do. So even though the, the season will extend, the plant doesn't. So our forefathers came from the south, maybe uh, over a millennium ago. And as our people move over the Americas, the seeds that they grew adapted to the length of the day. So everything is daylight sensitive. So if you go right now, uh, say uh, north to uh, where the Inuits live, uh, their communities, it's daylight 24 hours. But you can't grow there. Uh, you can't really grow food north of here too well in, in the Laurentians because uh, the altitude changes, the soil changes, and so on. So our people basically came as far north as uh, <clears throat> the St. Lawrence River Valley. You know, I think there's a song somewhere. The St. <laughs> Lawrence River Valley. <laughs> and there you are. And so because we grew corn, we're corn, corn culture pe people. And so, uh, so the adaptation of the environment, the, the length of the day, all plays to that. And so today, when you, you, you know, uh, one thing that it's really good today, and I always like to put a plug out there for the local uh, uh, seed growers, and one of my favorites is called Turn the Soil, you know, and uh, the, out there in the West Island. Dan local, they, they produce a lot of things locally, and it's really great because, and, uh, Lanoyo is another one, if I'm saying their name right. And, and Terry's Promise is another one out on the West Island. And I really, uh, you know, I like to put a plug for them mm -hmm. because they're local and they have a diverse, uh, that it shows that there's a lot of things we can grow. We're not really a watermelon uh, growing um, environment, you know, because we're a little bit far north, but there are varieties that are adapted. So there are some seeds that these people have been working on. And uh, there's a variety of things. Because if you know that a lot of the seeds are controlled by the multi-corporations, you know. And some of them are even owned by Monsanto. So to make it look good, to justify their conscience, they own seed companies. What a, I don't know, a two-face. But the thing is, whatever is there, that's all we got to choose from. So today... You know, unfortunately, um, uh, some of the smaller seed companies or even uh, garden centers are closing down because uh, just there's one near my, my, my home where I've been going there for a number of years. He's closing out. And, you know, of course, they're older and they're, they want to retire. But one of the things I talk with him about is that, um, you know, people are not going to pay 450 for uh, a box of tomatoes where they go to Walmart and spend $1.99. So that's part of it. It's part of the economics. But what happened, Not uh, Walmart is not going to tell you any information, but the garden center will. Right. You see? So that's the thing that we're going to lose when all these other places, uh, you know, fall by the wayside. And the only thing that we can do is save things from year to year. And even that is a learning process because in order to keep, things we only have to have limited varieties because uh, of cross-pollination the contamination of uh, cross-pollination especially if you grow in squash or different kind of plants that uh, rely on bees or butterflies or even moths to pollinate so uh, so for example you couldn't you could you could grow you could get seeds for like butternut squash and 
and uh, buttercup, and you could grow them alongside each other, but then you couldn't save those seeds and rely on having that variety, right? Well, yes, you could, because okay. they belong to two different families. Okay. Squash, basically, there's like four families, but in Quebec and Ontario and New York State and Vermont, we grow basically three varieties, and the three most popular varieties. So we grow a one that's called a people or pepple, uh, which all the pumpkins belong to, except the giant ones. All the um, gourds, spaghetti squash, acorn squash, and zucchinis, and summer squash belong to this people family. So a lot of people will grow a zucchini and maybe a spaghetti squash. That's the same family. They will cross with each other very easily. Mm. The next year, you'll get funny-looking fruit. And the thing is, it begins to degenerate degenerate in flavor and everything mm. it's nice if you want it for decoration but if you look at it as food value it has no food value so the the second family is a family called maxima where all the giant pumpkins belong to this family hubbard squash blue green uh red hubbard those Buffalo massive Creek massive squash, squashes. maximas banana squash candy rooster squash buttercups belong to this family Okay, so they'll cross within each other. Then the last one is called uh, a machada, which a lot of people grow um, butternut squash. And now a cheese pumpkin is getting a little bit more popular, uh, but it's been popular for a long time, mostly in the United States. And uh, these are the same family. They all cross with each other. Okay, and even different uh, butternuts, if they belong to... um, different varieties that are bred within there so you have a very old-fashioned variety called it's an iroquois squash but they got canada crooked neck on it and uh and the modern butternut squash is bred from the canada crooked neck but if you have a butternut and crooked neck they'll cross with each other okay and there's another one called uh marquis de provence okay uh this is another one that's a very nice squash but it belongs to the same family so they all uh, cross with one another. So either you grow them in isolation or in, or hand pollinate, or just grow one of those varieties, and 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 that's it. But if you want to start doing things about learning how to keep seed and that, there there's a lot to learn, a lot to enlighten yourself. And and if you just grow a little bit, they want to grow every year. You know, I always encourage people locally. You know, and uh, these local. Uh, uh, local companies here in Quebec uh, are the best because they they're here. They're in our area. If we lived in in Kentucky, where I was running from governor at one time, <laughs> we would certainly shop local. The only thing local in, in Kentucky is uh, the fried chicken that we do certainly appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> so so um, and corn beans and squash is it? it Maybe even a belief that it even comes from the Pleiades, uh, that those Well, vegetables? in our creation story, it says as the woman fell from the sky, she she grabbed at the bottom of, of a tree that was in the sky world and uh, grabbed those seeds. Hmm. So uh, there's a possibility there. And, you know, I, I talked in the conference uh, some years ago, and I talked about I said, well, you know, uh, I just said uh, the white man. I said it that way. I'm not trying to be negative or derogatory of this using as a term. And I said, they have all this ability to go to the moon and all this stuff, but they can't, uh, they can't invent corn. And they say it came from uh, two different kinds of grass, but they still can't produce corn. You know, the corn that they have 
and what you see, all that is genetically modified, by the way. Remember that word, genetically modified. So they have to take original seeds, which is the corn, and genetically modify it in a laboratory. And that's what you're eating today. And I kind of think about when, uh, you know, the French people in Quebec celebrate uh, Fête Bladang, which is nice. It's a nice thing. But before 1911, there was no yellow sweet corn in existence. So that's something interesting. Okay? Mm-hmm. So getting back to the, to the corn, um, there are six lines of corn. Okay, so the first line of corn is sweet corn, which everybody is familiar with. Then there's flower corn. Then there's a uh, flint corn. And then there's a dent corn. Dent corn is uh, maybe the most, uh, one of the wide, uh, widely growing variety. And this is made into uh, grain and cereal and feed the animals. It's flint, it's, uh, excuse me, the dent corn. Then there's popcorn. And then the last one is called pod corn, a, a corn that has a husk over each kernel. So these are the six lines of corn. Then there's numerous uh, strains within each one. Okay, so where we are here in southwestern Quebec and all part of New England, I consider it a part of New England, you know. Like, like even though uh, even though I follow our, our gracious father. Mr. Cato's Louis Louis the Fourteenth, King of France. <laughs> you know, I I really like the King of France because he gave us our land in Ganawagi. By the way, <laughs> it sounds funny, but there's a plaque in Ganawagi. He, he gave us this beautiful land that was already ours. <laughs> Nevertheless, well, that's there's a lot, there's a lot of history. Yeah. It's fun to cover because there's a lot of knowledge, there's a lot of things, you know, and it's all part of our consciousness. And wherever we are today, this is uh, who we are and where we are. And but what's most important, the value is in our culture, we talk of uh, seven generations, so it's our responsibility to look seven generations forward, you know, and that uh, the seeds that we do and con- continue to grow have come from countless generations behind us. So going forward, we still have to maintain all these things. And the biggest part of that is ceremony. So getting back to the conference where I was talking about this corn, and uh, um, after I finished speaking, there was a Mayan Indian from Guatemala. He was there, and he got up, and he he commented on what I said about the corn. And he said, because he says they're missing a part and what he said, they're missing the spirituality. That's why they can't produce the corn like that, you see? And so they took out the spirituality uh, out of that, what, what goes on. And it's replaced by genetically uh, modified. And now, you know, there are reports coming out that all these things are not good for the people and horrible on the people. When I was at this conference, here in Montreal with the minister, Agriculture Minister of France. That thing came up about when one speaker showed with um, a PowerPoint what happens with the genetically modified corn and the effects it's having to us today and right down into in, inside, of, inside of a woman that it even has, they scientifically proven that also has effect on uh, autism. That's why there's increase. It's all related to GMO, and uh, and this is in everything. Corn is in so many products. The only product it's not in is corn, by the way. And no, it's that's f- a and joke. It, it's and in it, so many things. And it's fed in, fed to the animals. It's fed and to the, the animals. The toxins concentrate in the animals, yes. and then we eat the animals. And we eat the animals. So uh, you know, 
That's it. Uh, uh, we create this vicious cycle. I, I just was reminding myself of something funny. One time I was in the Walmart and and I asked uh, one of the, the workers there, can you please direct me to the genetically modified food section? <laughs> she got <laughs> mad at me. <laughs> and uh, in terms of spirituality, what are the spiritual beliefs about corn? Like it's such a, a rich area of knowledge amongst uh, the traditional Mohawk people. And right. and many other uh, nations that uh, you know First Nations people that grow corn from here all the way into uh, you know Mexico and Central Mexico and the southwestern United States. The largest corn cultures are here, and then in the Midwest, and then stretching down to um, you know Arizona and uh, New Mexico, and then going across the border all the way on through. And uh, I, I saw the film The Gift by Gary Farmer, mm-hmm. which was all about corn. Yeah. So um, I had a cameo appearance in there. You did, eh? Yeah. 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 Just for a few moments, you see me dancing in a barn. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> and uh, we're braiding corn and there's, I had the, I had the, you know, longhouse music on. I think I was doing fish dance and I had my bear hat on and. You know, and my friends there, and that's it. It's it's because it's life. It's you know, it's all part of this thing together. You can't separate from, and so spirituality carries a lot of different parts. It's alive, so we're alive. We're supposed to be happy. We're supposed to be singing. We're supposed to be rejoicing. We're not here to be sad, and you know, and even though sometimes uh, things happen in a negative way out in the field, but we learn from it. So we can't say that uh, it was a total negative uh, reaction. We learned from those things. So if we say that was a mistake or something didn't happen, good. What what was it that we learned from it? And that's something that we learn and we teach ourselves. And then we use this to share this information with others. So uh, as far as, you know, so it always begins with ceremonies in different communities. So uh, in the just before the COVID started, in February uh, 2019, I was invited to Mexico. So I was invited to a corn ceremony in the village, and I went. And when the ceremony started, all these women came in dancing, and they were they were moving their feet like shuffle. And I was, wow, when I saw this. So after, uh, after the opening and all this, I was invited to speak. So I had an interpreter with me, and that's the very first thing I talked about, the women dancing. I says, in the longhouse, the women dance very similar. We have a dance that it is called woman's dance, but that's not really the proper thing. Because, uh, you know, uh, it's actually called Asida Garanye, which means they're grinding their feet. And what this represents is that the women are covering the sacred seeds of life, which is the corn, with their feet. And in Mexico, that's how they plant. The old man comes along with the burro, you know, and he makes a row and they drop the seed and all the young girls cover it barefoot with their feet and that it symbolizes that. And so the women in the longhouse when they're dancing this, that's what they're symbolizing. Their feet is covering the sacred seeds of light, which is the corn, you see. And the corn is, uh, well, we call part of three, we call that, we refer for them as three sisters. But in our language, we call the whole uh, package, we call it uh, Chonheko, and it means what supports our life. So it's not only corn beans and squash, but then it also includes sunflowers, it includes tobacco, and it includes strawberries. You see? That's what it includes. So in Mexico, 
they they do have their gardens which they call three sisters but then they also have they don't refer to it that way they refer to it as milpa so which includes uh amaranth sunflower mm. you know mm. and 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 other kind of melons not only squash or pumpkins so so those are the similarities but the thing is it's it's a connection to our mother the earth which is important and to maintain this knowledge and so today we're labeled seed savers or seed keepers and that's okay so people understand what goes on but there's a whole lifetime there's countless generations of genetic memory that's implied in everything that we do and the maintenance of our ceremonies in the lung houses or wherever the people will gather to maintain those things are all part of it because you can't have one without the other you know i know you know uh, you know the government likes to uh, separate church from state which is good now because of what they did in the beginning you know the everything was controlled by the church and today we're wi- we're witness with the pope that this was true the things uh, and those are part of the atrocities that did happen to our people you know whatever way you want to look at it positive or negative uh, something that did happen you know uh, our grandparents are or survivors of residential school and that comes to part of it too often when i'm asked to speak and uh, i talk about planting by the moon and so on when i want to learn earlier the old i would ask older people and they would say yeah we planted by the moon but then which part they didn't really know so in the beginning i got out there and i said Blue moon of Kentucky, keep on. Well, that didn't work. Then I got into Ozzy Osbourne, bark at the moon. And she saw all the colors and my corn got a little kind of wild. But then later I found out, you know, this is the way it works. And why some of that knowledge was withheld because of residential school. Right. You know, the effects. You know, a lot of our grandparents were ashamed to uh, that and, and some of that memory and stuff was forbidden, actually forbidden. There's so, there, there's so many things there. So when you want to talk about also truth and reconciliation, how can you reconcile without really understanding what the truth is? And, and it's not to, uh, to hash out things that happened in the past. It's to understand and maybe not to let those things that happen in the future. Uh, we hear that from the things that happened in Europe after Second World War, you know, uh, that... People should understand what happened so we don't repeat history again. And the same thing for uh, First Nations of Canada. It should be noted, you know, there's a history there. And uh, But the answer people are looking to, they turn to the First Nations. Because they've always been close to our mother, the earth, and, and, and nature, and so on. And agriculture and these things are all been a, a very strong, integral part of our, uh, our identity. And and the Canadian government, my understanding is, is that in the beginning of um, the reserve system, they forbid Indigenous peoples to sell their their farm products to the wider public. Right? Yes, yeah. that did happen. Yeah. Yes, because uh, see the uh, and there's a lot of documented. I actually saw a documentary on it, how the people in Saskatchewan. Uh, you know, they, they, of course, they came along and they killed off all the buffalo, which they lived. Then they made them become farmers. So they adapted and they became better farmers than the outside farmers. And then uh, what, what they did is then the outside started to complain. So what did they do? The government's answer, they brought in an Indian agent. And it happened in our community too, where our people, uh, you know, weren't really allowed to sell their products anywhere. 
so they, they, they you know, just they, to each other only. Yeah, yeah, and 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 to hold us down. There's actually a law where native people were not allowed to be employed outside the community for more than three weeks. Ugh. You know, mm-hmm. and and even and up until 1954, we were considered uh, non-human. Wow. Ain't that something? So this is part of the truth. You know, it's not an exaggeration. And how can you reconcile if you don't become aware of what the truth is? And, and it's something that's an historical fact. And, and all the while, you were the real human beings, the only way homely. Yeah, because we know <laughs> where we came from. Yeah. So, but anyways, uh, I don't want to get us to get too political. Yeah. But, you know, the, the, we, but it's all interwoven. The culture and gardening and following uh, these patterns because they're... You know, there are difficulties that are coming. You know, uh, I think a loaf of bread is like maybe $5 a loaf. I remember when uh, it was 50 cents when I was a boy. We used to go to the corner, you know, and get 50 cents and buy, uh, you know, buy a loaf of bread and bring it home. And my mother made sandwiches and that. You know, we get a couple nice tomatoes from my grandmother's garden. Tomato sandwiches, the best. Well, Hellman's mayonnaise. Can't beat that. It's what it's like called heaven on earth. A beautiful, <laughs> juicy, nice tomato sandwich. And we're coming through that season, by the way, Ryan. Yeah. So keep that in mind. Yeah. And the eggs, eggs are going up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think more and more people should probably start having their own hens, maybe. For yes, but you know, hopefully the governments won't start outlawing that. Uh-huh. There are actually places where people are not allowed to grow. If you have a garden in your in your yard, you could be fined. And there's countries in the world where people are jailed today right. because of that. Yeah. So this is how well they're, they're controlling everything. So uh, who knows what's going to go on in the future. Yeah. But we still have to keep that knowledge and we have to keep keep these things going. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're talking to Stephen McComber, uh, who is a ceremonial faith keeper uh, in Ganawage, a traditional Mohawk uh, knowledge keeper and... Uh, seed saver but as you said uh, it's just a label but uh, it's it's uh, a way of life and uh, I'd like to acknowledge because I, I didn't necessarily acknowledge it at the beginning that we're on the traditional territory of the Ganyagahaga people the Mohawk people uh, here at the CKUT studios uh, right beside alongside McGill University campus and today we have a special guest in the studio with us Stephen McComber from uh, Ganawage and uh, Steve, you have a Facebook page where you give uh, garden tips. Is yes, that right? it's called Steve's Garden Tips, and uh, it's great. I, I follow it, and yeah, I I recently uh, realized that a lot of people I was um, invited to come speak in um, at Grand River at uh, Six Nations uh, in the beginning of May, and uh, one gentleman came all the way from uh, I think Rochester, New York, yeah, just because uh, she was advertising it and I was there and then he says I've been following your Facebook page for a long long time now I get to meet you in person I said wow that's pretty neat nice so uh, and I didn't disappoint I got up and I spoke the way I would always speak and uh, you know nice and that's good well the thing is it's it's something that one of my elders uh, who taught me before he says you know we're supposed to share share this thing and uh, I didn't get involved in Facebook for, you know, for a while. Then one day I said, ah, it's, it seems like a, a good place to do it and share with people. 
it's what I learned. Uh, I know there's a lot of people who will use the platform and, you know, charge money and stuff like that. But this is knowledge that's given to us freely by our elders and different people worldwide. World, worldwide. And so why put a price on it? You know, uh, I don't believe it that way. Uh, to do it so it's free it's for anybody uh, since then I've been invited to go speak at a world conference in Greece but because of the COVID uh, that stopped mm. uh, I was uh, invited to speak several places but I end up learning how to be on Zoom and uh, after the first year I did quite a few Zooms in the United States I've still been doing a few uh, right up to last week I did a Zoom again for a conference out in uh, Iowa uh, from the Seed Savers Exchange, and uh, they asked me, well, they actually introduced me and said that in the beginning, when they first started off in the 1980s, you know, I was one of the persons, and and also that um, a lot of, over the years, people uh, who acquired stuff, you know, I'm like uh, the original source, or where it came from originated with me, and I got involved with them because... Um, you know, there wasn't very much happening at the time, like today. And uh, so I thought it would be a good outlet uh, to share with people and, and, and to keep it going. And so to, after all these years, it's come around in a full circle. Um, and then there was a time where even in our native communities, not very much was happening other than with the elders. And then again later, I was trying to kind of figure out why, why is that? Why is this going on? But uh, as far as I can remember... When I was a, a younger teenager, there's always uh, political things that happen in communities. So when I was younger, there was the wounded knee. So that took up a, a lot of time, uh, uh, people's time, even though maybe we weren't directly affected, but we were in, in different ways, you know, with elders and so on. And, all, and then going all the way, coming all the way up to the Oka crisis, you know. Uh, once again, people are occupied with things and, and so on. So even even as far as that goes, I used to have a big garden in, in Ganyasadagi with a good friend of mine over there. And our corn got ran over by army tanks. Can right. you imagine that? Right. Right. You know, at first I was really upset about it. But over the years, I've come to realize I feel proud that uh, my, my corn got run over by the army tanks. I feel like I was part of Sullivan's campaign that was ordered by George Washington in, in, in 1779 when he ordered uh, John uh, Sullivan to raid the Six Nation people and destroy their cornfields. That's right in his... Uh, so I said, there you are. The that's, legend goes on. That's and it. why do they do things like that? Yeah. You know, so they understand the, the relationship to uh, our corn as part of uh, uh, one of the life sustainers. Yeah. Ain't that something? And and uh, during the Oka crisis, were you mainly in Ganawage the yes, whole time? Yes, I was. So yeah. actually during the Oka crisis, I was at home. I was had a big garden and I used to go around and I would give uh, boxes of food from my garden to people, uh, mostly relatives. Nice. Uh, but nevertheless, I would, uh, I would have boxes of uh, string beans and and different things and i and i would give it to people i would dig potatoes and share what i could you know uh everybody's got a different story uh from that time but uh, that's what i did and food was sometimes not getting in during that yeah. time so there was a lot of things that that, that happened at that uh good maybe bad uh, i don't really know but uh these are things and the powwow still commemorates 
the 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 date the, the of event, July 11th. Yeah, you know, and so uh, and but see, um, one day that's con- one day uh, the truth of that event maybe will really be known, mm-hmm. and that's part of reconciliation. Mm-hmm. You see, mm-hmm. but all along, you know, uh, I think it's put a strain on on the neighborhood, meaning all the surrounding communities with each other. Mm-hmm. You know. For sure. uh, I don't think uh, I don't think the people that, that live in the village of Oka were expecting to have a confrontation, and and a lot of the natives right there in Kanyasadage were all friends, even intermarried, and put uh, put a you know a strain on everybody. Yeah, you see, that mayor was really uh, misguided there. Uh, he was, but I guess it was more complicated than that. But that mayor seems to have been really uh, out uh, out of his mind. <laughs> Well, you yeah. know, the, those trees were planted over 100 years ago to, uh, to stop the erosion of the hillside. And if you happen to go there, the trees are still there and you could, you could understand. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in our ways, uh, part of our teaching is this, that um, one of my elders uh, explained a story one time. Uh, when we went to school, we went to Catholic school, okay? And in Catholic school, we were taught God is everywhere. At the same time, at the same moment, around the world. Well, what else is around the world at the same time and every moment is air. And air is the thing that you need to live. You can live without food. You can live without water. But you cannot live without air. And what makes the air? The plants and the trees. So, our people refer to them as the grandfather trees. So, it's about that. You know, it's not about a golf ball, okay? For sure, for you see? sure. And so, so it's a different frame of mind. And, and the white pine is such a special tree. Yes, well. uh, there were so many white pines at one time, and and they they cut them down for the industrial revolution of the you know the beginning of the nineteenth century. You see old drawings or of maps of uh, you know eastern Canada. The white pine was almost as big as the sequoias out in the west coast. They were over 200 feet high and so on. And all the tall ships and everything, those trees were cut Yeah. for that. And uh, does it have an effect? Maybe after 300 years, it does. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you talk about on Steve's Garden Tips, um, uh, planting by the phases of the moon. And um, I remember you told me this once. Uh, that um, everything green, like lettuces and... Uh, yeah, we're coming to that now. I believe tomorrow will be the, the new moon. The new so moon everything in the up. new yeah. moon is greens. So that would be lettuce, that would be spinach, Swiss chard, cabbage, uh, herbs, all that. And even miracle marijuana. Mm. You know, mm. I was mm. once asked, well, Steve, what do you grow? Medical, recreational. <laughs> I said... Industrial. <laughs> Classic. Uh, and, and, uh, and then when it comes to um, like um, fruit producing things like tomatoes. Uh, That's in the, the wax on. The wax on. Yeah. Okay. So, and I often get asked the same thing about, well, what about the greenhouse? Well, we didn't traditionally plant in the greenhouse, but since we do, just follow the same pattern. Right. Yeah. You know, 
when to plant this, when to plant that. You know, of course, here in southwestern Quebec, all in this area, even my grandmother was part of that culture. She planted on the Queen's birthday, <laughs> you know. So in Ganawagi, they still celebrate the Queen's birthday, and they call it planting day, you know. I, 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 I love Freddie Mercury myself, you know. <laughs> but We are the champions. <laughs> and transplanting uh, things. In the full moon. In the full moon because of the, the, gravity. the gravitational pull of the right. earth. So even in the Second World War, there was battles that were fought because of the full moon, because it pulled the, the ocean tides up. Okay. It's an historical fact. Right, so, so that they would, they would make it easier to attack, maybe, I guess. Or, or for their crafts to land right. And, right. Uh, and move troops. Okay. Yep. Okay. And also there's things that happened in the, in the Second World War. Um, because of embargo, the Germans themselves actually uh, made uh, oil from pumpkin seeds. And that's what they uh, they use on their army tanks. Just like a diesel fuel kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, but they use the pumpkin seed because it doesn't freeze. Ah. And then the other thing, they were they were accusing the British of uh, bombing them with uh, potato bugs. So the, those are little, uh, you know, trivial, uh, trivial information. <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, and uh, in terms of... Um, I guess also uh, the the ceremonies and and how there's a ceremony every thirteen times a year mm. and and it's so it's so uh, the cycle of ceremonies is so tied to the earth and to to various plants mm-hmm. and so on and so forth and what f- what's the next ceremony coming up? Well, we just did string beans just now, so the next one will be the what we call the sweet corn or green corn. In our language, we call it corn that's not ripe. So at one time, we mostly grew uh, a corn that was full of milk in September. And so that's when the people begin to eat it. And then so later, uh, when there was more of the sweet corn, people kind of adapted that. But the ceremony is called, uh, uh, well, I can't think of the name. But it's, uh, it refers to the corn being unripe. Okay. Okay. And sweet corn is uh, very similar to that. But see, sweet corn, after a couple of days, it begins to harden up. Mm. And so what, what, what happened, like uh, traditionally or customarily, that, you know, people went to shop on Saturday. Now the stores are open every day of the week. But then, you, uh, you know, you bought the corn and they put corn in the fridge and whatever and then eat it on a Wednesday or Thursday. And the corn would begin to harden up so, and, and change. You see, because even though it's off the stock, it, it still continues to do what it does. So then they start to uh, modify that corn and genetically. So then if you look in the seed catalog, it says SE. So it means uh, that's what it means. You know, it means sugar enhanced. Mm. So they use a sugar molecule that's in, embedded into the seed so that the corn will be sweeter than I want to have. I want to be able to sell my field before you, so I have to have a variety that's going to be ready before yours. So all these things, so now it's changed. And because of that modification and that thing carries on through through everything that we do, right down to the animals and feed, you know, uh, these, these are effects that are happening today. That's it. I mean, even the way that we've bred a lot of stuff, it's always to have more sugar in it, right? Mm-hmm. So apples and, uh, mm-hmm. or, you know, that the, the apples from years ago were less sweet. And less sweet and, and smaller. I just seen something on that uh, the other day 
where they talked about the old-fashioned apples were smaller and, and different. But at the same time, some of the some of them had uh, nice flavors, natural flavors. So they refer to them today, if you come across them, they refer to them as antique varieties. So all the new modern varieties are bred larger, and then they're bred to be sweeter, and so on. But I did read a thing a couple of years ago. Uh, some of the worst things for us are apples and corn because apples are sprayed uh, for different kind of bugs they're sprayed so they'll they'll be red uh turn red before anybody else this and that and everything and we're ingesting it all we're ingesting yeah. it all that's it yeah um we're we're we're, we're running out of time but i guess we'll, my last question would be um what's uh, the main motivator in your life to keep doing what you're what you're doing yeah. family family and nation and good friends like my good friend over here, Randy Cross. Yes, yeah, Randy he's, Cross. He's in the studio with us yeah. today. How you doing, Randy? Good. Yeah. I assisted him in a project, and I believe in what he did, and I don't think I let him down. And uh, and we've been working along really well together. And I encourage people and everyone everywhere to grow gardens, grow them in your front yard. You know, uh, people worry more about having a nice, beautiful lawn. You can't eat the lawn. But you can eat a garden. So whatever you can do, if uh, you can turn it over or uh, put raised beds or build boxes, do what you can. And the flavor from the food that you're going to have is something that you're always going to remember. I remember years ago, uh, I didn't have that much potatoes, but we ran out of potatoes in the middle of winter. And then I went uh, to the grocery store. I got a bag of potatoes. My kids remember they they said to their mother they said Isla, what's the matter with these potatoes they don't even taste good right they so could tell they yeah. could tell yeah so and and that's out of the mouth of innocence there you go so there you are so this is true so you know i encourage you to get back do what you can you go around uh, i like to go around jean talon market i really like that area uh you see some uh these old guys they got you know, one big five-gallon pail. They got a beautiful plant in there. Uh, produce a lot. You could produce a one tomato uh, potato plant in a five-gallon bucket and get maybe five to ten pounds of potatoes. So there's possibilities, you know, and uh, we could do it. It could be happen. You know, when you talk about the green planet and so on, a lot has to to happen uh, to make that possible. But it's the knowledge, it's working together, and, and, remember the, and remember these things. And always be grateful. That's part of our ways. Uh, you know, our elders sit in the morning, you get up, you thank your creator that we're able to see another day. At the end of the day, to say thank you again that we had a nice day, and maybe we're going to be here again tomorrow. And that knowledge and this and all that, it's all part of the universal cycle, you know, and, uh, and it works together. And, you know, and when you're out there, the spirituality is the feeling that you get when you see these uh, beautiful plants. You know, it's a feeling that you only can experience when it's there. And if you just even go to a market, even a market has a nice feeling. That's why these markets are crowded in the uh, on the weekend. You know, it has this, you know, they might not be aware, but it has this spiritual attraction and it feels good. I like to get up and sing a little bit of Elvis and, uh, and feel like dancing. <laughs> All right. Well, that, we're out of time, but thank you so much, Stephen, for yeah. being on the show. And uh, you can follow him on Facebook at Steve's Garden Tips. And uh, he is a ceremonial faith keeper uh, in one of the traditional longhouses of Ganawage. And uh, 
He's a, a seed saver, a keeper of traditional seeds of of uh, the Ganyagahaga people and also other indigenous nations. And he travels all over the Americas, uh, exchanging seeds with, with other indigenous nations. And it's been a great pleasure to have you on the show. My name is Ryan Young. That's it for Equilibrium today. You can uh, you know follow the show on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash Equilibrium CKUT Montreal. We have a little website called equilibriumradio.weebly.com. All the best here from Equilibrium on CKUT 90.3 FM. My name is Ryan Young. You've been listening to the Ecolibrium Radio Podcast. Have a great day.